Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. All right, guys, we are probably live. This is always how we begin these things with me wondering if we're live. And I think if we had it any other way, we, we wouldn't know that we were in the right place. Um, uh, hi, everybody. I am Brooke, and this is Certified Life Coach Institute. Um, we are here today to discuss how to be a life coach and what certification means, how what credentials you need, um, the difference between you know what ICF accreditation means and all that good stuff. But before we begin, I want to introduce our cast of amazing, amazing characters. <laughs> um, first and foremost, let's introduce Lisa. <laughs> Hi, welcome. Thank you for being here. We're excited to share some more details with you to help you through this path. Thank you. On to the next, Brooke. And up next, we have Dan. Oh, happy to be here. We just wrapped up level two training this weekend. So it's a great time to be adding on discussing the differences between um, certification and credentialing. Love it. And last but not least, my right hand man, Jerome. <laughs> I'm here to add a little value to the conversation, um, ask some questions that maybe you guys might have anything that comes by uh, my mind. I'll go ahead and try and ask those and get those answered for everybody. Thank you. So this is probably one of the most common questions we get um, is, is what is certification, life coach certification? What is the benefit, the purpose, et cetera? So who wants to tackle that question first? Volunteer? I, I can start with that one first. Um, we, get a, we get a lot of people trying to understand what all of that entails, especially when we're talking on the phone. A certification is a process upon which you are learning what it means to be certified. What it means to be certified means the core competencies, the ethics, the framework of what it means to be a certified life coach. So we're going to be practicing the skill building process under those terms. We're also going to learn what it is not. When we are working in a world, we don't want to overstep in the licensure direction. So we make sure that we stay on our side of the fence and refer out when necessary. So the certification is an amount of time that you go through the process and learn the skills that it takes to be that certified coach. And Dan, do you have anything to add? Yeah, and building on that, that the, since we're looking at this as, as a school and a, tr and a train and series of trainings, that are ICF approved that the cert we are I certified life coach institute is teaching a program that is ICF approved and follows the pathways of what the ICF says coaching is and how coaches are supposed to interact with clients so that we don't as Lisa was saying so that we don't go over into those areas that would be more traditionally therapy counseling knowing what the definitions are as the ICF approves it and then building that curriculum around it so the the students have a baseline of knowledge that when they are stepping into the classroom, understanding how to interact and how to help the client realize that they're the one in charge of their life and that they do have all the answers and, and honoring the client's knowledge, which is what coaching is about, and leaving each of those training weekends empowered 
with not only a, a, a good under or good or excellent understanding of the model, but how to apply it when they go out and start working with with clients. So yeah. we keep referring wait, of, of ICF. ICF is International Coach Federation, and that's the group that is a globally recognized um, accrediting body that we use to hold uh, us all accountable to make sure that we're all meeting that um, education standard or criteria, part of what they say is the gold standard, so that we're maintaining that gold standard. We, as a school, are constantly looked at like four to five times a year and have to submit all kinds of detail. Anyway, so go ahead, Brooke. Sorry. One of the things um, I like to say is it's kind of like the Wild West right now in life coaching in the sense that um, there isn't a, a board like there is in therapy or in psychiatry that says whether or not we are um, have the proper certification or what have you. It's um, still not governed by the government, essentially. So um, what what in place of that, though, who has stepped up to the plate is ICF, which is International Coach Federation, and they have become sort of the recognized governing body in in the life coaching industry. And that's why that importance comes into play is is being uh, going to a program that's recognized by ICF is crucial because of this, mm -hmm. this thing, um, because it's what it's what really has become the gold standard, the accepted standard amongst life coaches. Um, yeah. They're, they're kind of a big dog in that space right now. Um, there's other organizations out there, but ICF is the big dog internationally. And just being realistic about it, and, and not to sound sarcastic, but once a government, either whether it's state or federal, figures out that there is money to be made in licensing coaching, then it would be behoove coaches to be in alignment with the organization that is going to be involved in in helping to write that licensing so that's it comes into play there as well as, as you are taking trainings that are in in alignment with where the the biggest organization in the industry sees it going and defines it to be that will be helpful downstream as a grandfathering or a grandmothering in to the right. process when it eventually comes because it will somebody will figure out a way to make money at it well, the, the, and the, the U.S. government has recognized ICF in a bill that passed it. I think it's the OPM uh, is what it is called. And so in that they have accepted for their, for their um, what is it, uh, not, why can't I think of this word? Just total blank, executives. So for their executives within, within the government, they, they want them to continue their training. And the only coach training that they recognize is ICF accredited coach training. And so in that bill, they've kind of given the um, okay to ICF uh, as, as a governing body in, on some level. So it's, it's a safe bet to know that if, when it, if or when it comes to that moment, uh, ICF will be the, likely be the accrediting body. Um, so that's why ICF is important. <laughs> uh, so then um, moving on, so ICF governing body getting a certification what do i get when i get us like what do i as a coach what benefit is does that do for me and my business and being certified beyond what daniel dan mentioned um with the wanting to be in alignment what else will that do for me so one of the things that we want to speak about is that we are an accredited coach specific training hours program which means we're not continuing and we're building the core competency and ethics of what it means to be a coach. So when we're in that building 
framework of our three-day intensive, you're getting a lot of material, you're getting a lot of input, and you're getting a lot of practice throughout the weekend to uh, towards that skill building uh, behavior. Yeah. Can I be devil's advocate real quick? Sure. Um, how in the heck do you do it in three days? How can I become a coach? I mean, how can I possibly have that skill set at the end of three days? You know, Dan just Dan just taught this class this weekend. I have my normal answer, but let's go to Dan and have him share what his experience is as the, the facilitator teacher of the weekend. And even stepping it, I'll step it back because I could easily answer it from the facilitator. But it might be more effective for me to answer it from the person who was the student three and a half years ago of this class mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to say, in the, particularly the level one training where it's setting the foundation is truly understanding what coaching is and the differences between coaching, therapy, uh, mentoring, consulting, so that we have those clear boundaries set as to what is a coach and what isn't. And then also getting into understanding the, the basics of the foundation of that cooperative communication, it's Truly, it's it's easy to learn, but you have to apply it, and you have to you have to understand the foundation of it, which can be which is done over that three days. We start off with with when I talk to level one students, so we start with the training wheels down on the ground, make it really easy to start building building the confidence, building the understanding as they flex the muscle into this new way of listening and stepping into a questioning model. And by the end of the weekend, those training wheels are up off the ground that they've found their balance and are able to roll forward with some level of confidence that they know what they're doing. Because even in those programs that are six or nine months long that we see coaching students, they, they ask me about, you know, it's six months long and it's cost thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. What's different? You're doing all the same stuff. You're just doing it within the parameter and where our coach, our training you get your your three days of, of creation of the foundation, and then you're going out. We're here supporting you in the group. I think all of us, if, if a student re reaches out and says, I need a little bit of help understanding something, all of us are open to giving and supporting in that space. So there there is support. Um, but it also, coaching is about self-actualization. So do, for those people who are looking at that six or nine month program, where part of the requirements is doing all the work that you could be doing for yourself, you're doing it anyway. Do you want to self-actualize and do it for yourself? Or do you want to pay someone to tell you to do it? There's things you need to do anyway. Um, that That's kind of the balance for me of it. I, I want to know what to do, and then I want to go out and apply it. I don't want someone, I don't, I don't want the pressure of someone telling me I have to do it in a certain period of time. And the other side of the question you, you asked Lisa, um, what does certification do for me as a coach? My, my answer to that is, since there are people out there who call themselves coaches and not they don't have letters after their name, why? Why would a potential client whom a coach is asking to invest in their practice want to go to someone who is not invested in their training. That is the biggest disconnect I can possibly see. And I just want to smack those people down. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I, I'm not holding back. This is me. 
subject here. <laughs> so certification, that's our level one. Then we have level two. What's the purpose of level two um, with regards to how does that work into level one? Like what, how, explain that to me. We take in level two. We take from the foundation. So essentially, we've built this base of of the the questioning. We're about 15, 12 to fifteen tools that the students take from that as things they can reach into that toolbox and pull out deeper questionings. Um, and at the moment, I'm not grabbing them. There's there's at least a dozen different ways of questioning and tools that can be used coming out of that weekend. In level two it becomes more experiential. So we're building on those skills, going into learning about perception, learning deeper about the curse of knowledge and how do you know what you know? And do you know what the client knows? How do you find out what the client knows? There's an exercise I do at the very beginning of day one that really drives home. You have got to check your ego at the door because you do not know. And then we build into it. And what I find in level two is that when we go into coaching or just conversations, automatically flow into very deep coaching sessions of, there was one this weekend that was half an hour long of an interaction between a student and I that went really deep. And the funny thing about it is that as the, the other students and Lisa and Brooke and Jerome were chatting and observing into it, that so many of the other students were experiencing the exact same block or the exact same issue. So it becomes a bigger discussion and, and bigger breakthrough for everybody instead of just the one-on-one. -on -one. Um, in level one, we start with 10 minute sessions and build to a half an hour on Sunday. So the students are getting used to, again, bringing those training wheels up getting used to going into a session prepared for an hour with a client when they step out of class. Level two, we start with 30 minutes and wrap up with one hour sessions on Sunday. So they really have that, that experience of what it's like to be with a client for an hour and be able to really dig deep. Well, and, and that builds the flexibility of having shorter sessions um, or moving towards the longer sessions. It depends on a lot of things as a coach and a client relationship um, is being built on what the intention is and how long each of those sessions are. Some sessions can be incredibly charged and exciting and ready to jump, you know, in that 20 minute to half hour time frame, whereas other sessions need to have some, as I call unfolding, a little bit more unfolding where the client is speaking more they haven't had the space, generally speaking, to unfold in a way that is a safe space and nobody is going to judge them through that process. So it creates the flexibility as a coach. And to me, level two just adds to that flexibility with the additional tools. And and you go through the process very much, um, which is where you mentioned the experience process, part of that experiential it is really an awesome uh, interaction. It, even if you never were going to be a coach, this process is really helpful in building you into a, uh, where you're doing work on yourself and in, and in a positive way. Um, so uh, that's the piece that I love 
about level two. I, I, I love level one because I just see when the people start coming in, the students come in and I, the growth and change that occurs by Sunday morning is incredible. And then level two, it's like right out of the gate, we're already in the process of creating change for ourselves as, as, as the growth, the person in growth, that they take it to their clients and have uh, such an amazing interaction with their clients and it fuels them up to move forward. So when we add ICF back into this, the part of level one and two, we are accommodating the training hours that it requires for the first level. However, our hours count towards any level. It's training hours. The training hours, no matter what direction you're moving in, um, count, but uh, do accommodate the first ACC level. So in ACC level, you have some things to accomplish if you're looking to be an accredited coach with ICF. And so that's the piece that we were going to yeah, speak about in detail in that what's the difference between just being certified and accredited? So, mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. So the, the certification is the training, is the learning, it's the experience, it's the application of, it's you getting out there into your coaching world and coaching your clients. ICF says you have to have eight clients minimum for 100 hours. And of those 100 hours right now until January, you're able to do pro bono hours of 30 hours and 70 hours, you have to be a paid coach. So they don't have a, a huge criteria on what that payment um, entails. So it's 70 hours, 30 hours, it goes, once you get going into the coaching model, it can go ra- rather quickly. So that's the piece um, that adds to you getting or moving towards the accredited. Uh, well, already, mm-hmm. Before we delve fully back into what that is and all those steps and everything. So what we're going to say, we're, we're say, explaining certification equals certification. You get hours out of that and the hours are important because that is begins to meet the bare or, or well, the, the requirements for the ACC, which is the first level of ICF credential. So just so we, I wanna make sure we're, everything's really clear here. The first step is getting the certification regardless, because you have to get that training and those hours if, if you choose to continue with the ICF path, but you don't have to go down the ICF path necessarily, right? You don't, you don't have to go and continue to get your credentials. Yeah. In fact, after the first level, you should get out and start coaching immediately. Mm-hmm. Like we, that getting out there and practicing is the best thing you can do for yourself. And so you finish that level one, get out there and start to do the work and start to apply the things you learned in class to real life. That's and that's, that's exactly what I did. When I took it back in 2011, I went out, I didn't know I wanted to do more with it. I experimented with it. I went out and and probably for a good six months to nine months before I decided I wanted to move forward in a different, an additional direction. So go, go ahead and finish what you were saying, Brooke. Oh, no. So that's so, but then I think most people will find naturally they want to continue their education. They want to learn more. As Daniel had mentioned, why wouldn't you be invested in the education of something that you are very passionate about you're doing for a yep. living? Um, uh, so then that would take us into level two, and that meets what we're going to talk about now, which is the the requirements for the, your ACC, and ACC stands for Accredited Coach Credential, right? Associate Certified Associate Coach. Associate Coach Credential, darn no it. No worries. Um, Associate Certified Coach. 
And we've covered what ICF is. So let's talk about what we have to do to get this first level of credentialing and about the time period of how long, how long a student should expect it to take. Um, what, what, just all the expectations, you two have actually done this process. So share your experience and share uh, tips, pointers and all of that good stuff. So. so for me, <clears throat> excuse me, going from being certified, excuse me, yeah, being certified from the school and taking my additional training to get my 60 out. So part of this process to, to apply for your ACC credential is to have 60 hours of training, which our level one and level two gives you nearly 66. So you're, you have more than enough training out of those two levels. As Lisa already mentioned, you need to have the 100 hours of client time across at least eight different clients and 70, at least 70, during COVID, 70 of those hours have to be paid. And then you need 10 hours of mentoring with someone who meets the criteria that the ICF sets as being able to mentor. No, there's no need to talk deeper into that at the moment. Um, so you, for me, that the process of acquiring the client hours took, I'd say somewhere between six and eight months. I got in, I applied I applied my time, I applied my focus, and I got it done. I also had a goal in mind of why I wanted to have it done. We talk about that in goal setting in level one of set the flag on the horizon and why is it important to be there. There was a reason for me to achieve it. Um, so in theory, without you could do, you could complete everything you need to do within about six or eight months to be able to apply for, for the ACC credential. Um, and it, to me, it's an important distinction because now it's not just about some letters after the name for training. It's now a credential, which is training plus experience. And as you move into the ACC level, there's an expectation that, that you're able to listen deeper, which comes from level two training. Um, you understand more of what a coach is and how they should show up because in level two, we really dig deep into the core competencies and how the ICF is going to evaluate the recordings that are sent. We'll get to that in a second. Um, from ACC, the next level up is PCC, which is 500 hours of client time. There's a very different level of expectation listening there. That's a couple years down the road, but it's something to move toward. I just applied for mine. Going back to student level, there's the, the, the time in training, the time with clients, the mentoring time. And the other part of the application process is to submit a recording of a client session. It's at least 30, no more than 60 minutes long, along with a transcription of that, which can be done through rev.com, great transcription service, like a dollar, dollar and 10 a minute to get the, get the call transcribed. Um, and the ICF will listen to that recording and they'll, they will evaluate how the coach shows up and how the coach conducts him or herself during the call based on those core competencies that we expose students to in level one. And we really dive deep in level two so they are aware of it. And here's kind of what, whoops, kind of what those sheets look like each core competency and whether the behavior is observed or not observed. Not everyone has to be, but 
this is serious stuff. It's we're not just making students go through it because it's a fun thing to pass time. Thank you for sharing. It applies. Yeah, it applies in how you will be evaluated. And there are things that are important in those calls. Um, uh, just so everybody knows real quick, we're going to be um, putting a link into this that will have um, a list, a checklist, basically, and also some tips and the links to like rev.com. We also have a there's a, a hack we'll say a transcribing hack that will include, uh, and it's essentially using Google Docs and their transcribe tool. Um, and it actually works, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, so we're gonna share these kind of things and these uh, the checklist and everything um, once that we're finished with the live so that you guys will have that information. So one thing you shared, Daniel, in class this weekend that I thought was really interesting that I'd love for you to talk about quickly is um, you talked about the, the sort of loopholes when it comes to paid hours and ways ways to sort of work that. Uh, can you talk more into that for me? Yeah, one of the most interesting ones. So there's in this number of how many paid and unpaid hours. So unpaid, obviously, it's not paid. The, the client is not exchanging currency in any form with you or bartering for anything else. Um, there's a nuance in the paid hour because the ICF doesn't say how much they paid you. I, I mentioned it's this news that you could. Somebody could pay you a dollar an hour, it's a paid hour, but that's not a good business model. So part of the reasoning behind, at least I assume part of the reasoning behind having three quarters of the hours be paid is so that the coach is moving into the ability to sustain a business and create their own entrepreneurial um, movement forward. Well, and but, it's and, proof. Yeah, and it's it's proof that somebody wants your services. Mm -hmm. There's a proof of value. willing to pay you uh, a fee and and go down that path so that you are a credible coach, not just, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead, James. Because anybody can give it away. The, <laughs> one of the nuances in how the ICF defines paid hours is that a professional to professional conversation, so a student to students coming out of level one with certification are then considered professionals that if they continue to work together, that is considered a paid hour as a professional courtesy. So there is there is a nuance in there, even though they never maybe exchange payments, being professional to professional as a professional to professional courtesy, it is defined as a paid hour. And then um, as far as tracking this stuff, uh, do you guys have any, we, we have a log that we'll include that will be a link, but. It's pretty pretty simple stuff. And do they do they check on this eight client? Do they? I mean, what do they do? Potentially, they do. Um, so part of when I talk to students about this, I I mention to them make sure that you get the client's permission to share their contact, get their name and contact information, get it up front so you don't have to chase them down six months later. Um, that as a certified prof professional who tracks tr hours for credentialing that you are requesting them to sign a certain block in your contract or a separate message, separate sheet of paper, giving that permission. Because when you, there's a spreadsheet on the ICF site, when you are applying for the credential, that how they like to see the information, for tracking it for your own purposes, up to that point, a simple spreadsheet with client name and number of either paid or unpaid hours along with their contact, whether it's phone or email is simple. Um, the, if, I put an if in there. If the ICF were to call one of the people on your list, 
they spell it out that they will not call to ask about the topic of the coaching. They are only calling to confirm the approximate numbers of hours and the time frame of the engagement. So part of the spreadsheet on the ICF site is name, contact information, um, coaching start date, coaching end date, which could be filled in as ongoing if you're still working with that person, and then paid or unpaid hours, two separate columns. You just fill in the appropriate numbers there. And when they tally up to 100 or more, you're golden. Apply. Yep. I don't have anything to add to that. That is how, exactly it. How do you, so if, um, how do you get your client to agree to letting you record them? <laughs> so it, that would be an upfront discussion before a session of asking the client's permission. So I'm, I'm getting prepared to apply for this credential. Do I have your permission to record our next session? Or maybe, maybe for that one, since they are doing you a favor, you set up one that's a, that's a freebie session. Like, can we, can we just record a call and do a session together? I'll give you, I'll give you a free session because you're doing me a favor on this one. And it's not part of their paid coaching hours. However you want to do it, you ask up front because they have to know you are recording it and they also have to give their permission. I, when I'm doing mine, I always get that permission in the recording. So we'll, we'll set up a zoom call. We'll kind of do a quick chat about it. And then I'll let them know when I hit record, I'm going to ask for your permission on the recording. Say, hi, this is Dan. And I'm here with Bob today. And Bob, do I have your permission oh, wait, to record this call? Will you do it with Jerome? Will you just, just show it? Yeah. So, so, so no last names. That's kind of an important yes. piece. Yeah. You're not going to give last names, just first names only. Sure. Hey, yeah. Jerome, how you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for asking, good. Dan. Yeah, so thanks for agreeing to do this recorded call for my credential application. And before we go into it, I just want to kind of have a quick chat. I haven't hit record yet. And when I do, I'm going to just confirm in the recording for the ICF that you're okay. You give, give your permission for us to record this call for sharing with my mentor and with the ICF for that credentialing process. Because my mentor will, will listen to the call to make sure it, that it's going to fly for credentialing and give any feedback on it. Is that okay with you? Totally fine. Okay, great. So I'm going to hit record now. And boop. Hey, Jerome, how you doing? I'm doing good. Doing great. Good. So uh, this is Dan <laughs> Alexa. I am uh, I am recording this call for my my ICF credentialing purposes. I'm here with Jerome today. Jerome, do I have your permission to record this call for sharing with my mentor for review and with the ICF? Yes, you do. Great. Thank you so much. And then we go. And that's all you have to do there. And uh, once again, repeat: no last names, right? Correct. No last names. You do have to have a timestamp also on your uh, recording and your transcription. And so where do you guys, you guys normally do it on Zoom and all of uh, et cetera, typically? Yeah, the easiest thing is to do it in Zoom, record the call, and then when it saves to your computer, it will save either as the video and audio file or you have just the audio file as an MP3. And that's the one that I'll upload to Rev and request the, the transcription from. So they don't need video. It's strictly audio. Just strictly audio. Along with the transcription of it as well. Correct. Transcription with names and timestamps. Yeah, the transcription has to have timestamps on it as well. As well. Yes, that's a new requirement this year. Okay. So, so far we've talked about um, 60 hours, right? We've talked about uh, the session and transcribing. We've talked about 100 paid coaching hours from eight clients. 
we have a couple more, which is the mentorship, which has, we don't have to go too much into that. It takes place over three months. That's kind of the thing, right? So 10 three, weeks, yeah, three 10 months, hours. Three, yeah. So it's 10 hours, three months or longer. Yeah. So minimum, no matter what it's going to take. And this, this, I, I say, cause it gives people a little bit of, oh, it's going to take a little while. Um, no matter what, when you get into mentor coaching, you, it's going to a minimum of three months. So you can't just jump right in. It's going to take a little time and just be invested in that that it's going to, and that's okay. Um, and then mentor coaches, you can find, we have, we can find them on our website and then uh, find them on uh, ICF as well. There, there are minimum requirements for that. Uh, there are. Mm -hmm. And one thing I would recommend to anyone who is going through the process and considering, you know, when am I going to contact that mentor coach? And let's just use, let's just use the nine month window. Cause that's an easy one to wrap around that as you're accruing your client hours and you see, let's say, again, make it easy. I started in January and I think I'm going to be hitting my client hours in, in September. Don't wait until September to contact your, co your mentor because now you're three months yet away. The process is a year. When you're closing in on that 70, 75 hour gross, start looking for the mentor so that during your last few interactions, you've already got everything lined up. They can be guiding you through the process, mentoring you on leveling up, finding out where you've been. And it can, those last, say, 20, 30 hours of coaching experience can be tandemed with the mentoring so that either when you hit 100 hours or maybe a month later, depending on when, you've got your 10 hours knocked out that you're not waiting another full three months because you waited until you had all hundred in, they can be done in, in tandem. If you I can do your mentor, you can do your mentor hours from the moment that you have um, taken your first level, mm -hmm. the third, first 30 hours, the foundation, you can start working with a mentor then. But as Dan was more alluding to, you want to get some time under your belt so that you're using those mentor, mentor hours to really up your game and up your level of uh, who you are as a coach. And that takes practice. Um, it takes time for you to understand the process and really live. I like live, breathe, sleep the process and get it um, more secure. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to find your voice before you can really get the mentoring to adjust the voice. I was just going to say, if I'm a coach, what do I expect from my mentor? What do I, what do I, what, when do I know I'm, I have a good mentor <laughs> or what are the, what is their purpose? What do they do for me? So you definitely want to have a coach uh, reviewing your sessions. And as they review your sessions, um, they're going to give you a report and feedback on their interpretation. And what they're doing is that, that paperwork that Dan held up a few minutes ago with, yes, I'm I'm, I've observed this. No, I didn't observe that. That's part of the process. Are, are we observing you uh, as a mentor, are we observing you doing the ICF core competencies? Are you creating a contract in every session? Are you finding out what they want from the session? So all of those criteria we're looking to see from any mentee um, throughout any engagement with them. The other additional side of that is it's not only about reviewing your coaching sessions, it's any kinds of uh, troubleshooting, if you will, questions you have about the coaching practice. So you're able to bring anything to the table, but primarily you do want to get 
your coaching session reviewed so that when you are uploading it, you're uploading the best one possible for uh, an approval. And you were going to add something, Dan. I think I was hearing you. Yeah. And the other thing that that comes to mind as I think back on my mentoring for my PCC was my the mentor did that did all those things you just listed and, and applied in, you know, looking at is is there a specific um, core competency that I'm more concerned about than another? Or as she was listened to a number of recordings, like I see this one coming up. Can we talk about that today to, to dial in on the understanding of it? The other part of it, she truly coached me too. And, you know, coming again, continuing to remove blocks in the process. And I remember the very first coaching call, she asked me one question and it had me in tears because it brought up this less than idea. Um, And there's there's a concept, I've heard it from a number of people that you can't take someone any further than you've take, than you've allowed yourself to go. And that, that gets into level one and level two, because we go really deep with level two. Level one helps you helps you on on the level to get started. Level two goes a lot deeper that you can see how to nuance those questions and listen behind what the client's saying. But getting the mentoring gives you even more of an aspect of going deeper into yourself because that's it the work starts here to be able to help the clients in the chair across from you. And, and the deeper you can go into yourself, the deeper you can go with a client because you've been on the receiving end of some of those really hard questions <laughs> that might feel uncomfortable to ask until you've been the receiver of them and realize it's okay. Well, and it gives you great empathy for your clients when they're going through that space and resilience and no resilience is there and patience and to not interrupt that moment and and so many other wonderful concepts. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, a really key element, I think. There's one more step, right? That we're, we have yet to mention, and that is the CKA. The test. The test. <laughs> and that stands for Coach Knowledge Assessment. And that is a, a multiple choice test that you have to take. Um, Dan, would you like to share? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> online test. Uh, questions. <laughs> yeah, 155 questions online, multiple choice, and just like any multiple choice question ever, even going back to elementary school, on three quarters of the question, it's pretty obvious what the answer is. And on the other 25 to 30%, it's like, it could be A, it could be C. So it's over the core competencies and the code of ethics. Um, all those materials are available on the ICF website for review. They are the greatest cure for insomnia ever. They are also part deep dive in our level two book where it's much more entertaining and fulfilling to be trained on. Um, <laughs> shameless plug, shameless plug, shameless plug. Um, in, I'll, I'll talk about the money of it as well because that that's an important p- distinction in this process. Is So kind of we, we talked about what's the baseline? What are the things you need to pile together Assemble. That sounds better. What are the things you need to assemble to apply to take the test for the credential? And those are the 100 hours, the 60 hours of training, the 10 hours of mentoring, the client call, the transcription. Once you have all of that together, you go to the ICF website, you click on apply for a credential, follow the pathway, which we can help you with at the time. And then you upload all of it, the ICF reviews it. At that moment, when you upload, you're going to be paying some money. And here's here's the thing. 
as a non-member of the ICF to take the coach knowledge assessment, that test is currently $300 here in June of 2020. Time stamping that for future reference. <laughs> so 300 bucks. As a non-member of the ICF, that test is $500. What's membership in the ICF? $250 a year. So figure you're going to be spending 500 anyway to take the test as a non-member. Just put the other 50 out for the first year, have the profile on their website, do all those other things. So, so budget $550 for this process outside of the mentoring fees. Mentoring fees will be dependent on the mentor and how you negotiate those, but there is a cost involved. Um, you upload everything, you pay your money, and about currently about six to eight weeks, I think, at ACC level, you'll get an email back from the ICF saying, okay, congratulations, you've passed the credentialing process, you've passed the process, now you can go take the test. They're gonna check out, check out everything you sent them before they give you the link to the <laughs> test. That takes about a month, month and a half. And then you get a link to take the test, log in, give yourself, a. I think they say about three hours, probably won't take that long. Um, book three hours out where you won't be disturbed one day and just go. And when you hit submit on question 155, you automatically know a second later or half a second later, if you have really good bandwidth, that you have passed the test with a 70 or above. So that's a, it's a 70 or above is what they require. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, as far as, uh, the, Lisa, do you have something? Well, I was just going to say the testing, the questions, you can have your competency and ethics open. Um, it's not like you can't have that that little additional piece to be reading and helping you through that process. It's about taking scenarios and applying those competencies and ethics. That's one of the things we're doing in class, we're, except we're making it a live experience. So when we are having you look at the <clears throat> coach assessment, or we have a different name for it, and right now I'm, it's escaping me. But when we are doing that sheet that has about four pages to it, you're notating whether you see that behavior showing up or if it didn't show up. So when you get the downloads today on um, in the chat area, you will want to use that and even evaluate yourself as you're going through your coaching sessions, even before you even get a mentor. Because as you notice, You'll see them, you won't see them. And as you are training yourself, you're educating yourself in the option of getting better and better, being the better version of you as a coach. That's going to help you with your learning for the test to see that in coaching sessions as well. I think I want to add on there. I think that was one of the powerful experiences that I had with my mentor is that as she listened to my early calls that I submitted and was going through the list. She's like, okay, so I'm seeing this one show up in this way and I'm seeing this and I'm seeing this. So I was able to start seeing the coaching interaction through her eyes rather than just through mine that created the leveling up moving from what got me to ACC is a very different skill set than what is going to lead me to PCC and, and seeing through these eyes of how to show up versus then the space that I'm so incredibly familiar with right now. Yeah, so we're going to recap. Oh, we lost Lisa. Oh, no. 
Um, and you're, oh, she's back <laughs> in the bottom corner. Yeah, I came in. So sorry. I'm on my phone because I couldn't get my computer to work. Anyway, go ahead. Jerome, do you have any? So we, you've, I don't, had you have any questions or any questions you might think of? I did, but you're doing a fantastic job of asking those questions. So okay. everything that I, I thought might be a good question, it's been answered already. Okay. So, all right. Well, then, uh, it's just to recap everything real quick. Um, we have the CKA. We have um, going backwards. We have um, mentorship over three months, 10 hours. Mentor coach PCC or higher ACC three ACC minimum of three years, right? Next step up, we have Jerome. Do you want to take it? Do you know the next one? We're on ACC right now? Yeah. Uh, PCC. Oh, well, no, I was asking, do you know what the next step is? <laughs> I was oh. not fair of me to quiz you in the middle yeah. of a No, it's fine, it's fine. It's cruel. <laughs> um, so we have mentorship, we have the, the um, uh, CKA. Next up, we have 100 hours, right, of um, paid coaching with eight clients, uh, 60 hours of training, and then and I feel like I'm forgetting something. I think you got it. Recording and oh, transcription. Oh, the recording, yeah. The recording and the, the was that so it's five elements right Trans mm -hmm. transcription recording mentorship um training hours 60 training hours 100 coaching hours yep yep that's five pretty much it. Mm -hmm. what it worked out to be what we will load up a checklist for you guys so that if you want to do this you know it it's got the checking checklist off of it um the great thing yes go ahead Dan. oh i just i just realized it and it it just popped in my head now that for the students who take our two levels of training, if you go to the ICF website and look for applying for a credential, you'll notice that there are three pathways to get to the ACC credential, and each one requires different hoops to be jumped through. The pathway that we are talking about is the ASTCH pathway because our training is aligned in that pathway, makes your life easier. ACSTH. It's the alphabet. Yeah. 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 No, there's so many acronyms. The acronyms are out of control. ICF, CKA, ACSTH. <laughs> so it's accredited coach specific training, training hour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, real quick, if you guys, uh, one of the tricks that people, when people ask, how do I know if a program's accredited? Because that's a big question mark out there. Um, one of the quickest ways is when you're on a website of a, of a school or what have you, if they have the ICF logo showing on their website, they're probably accredited because it's not allowed to be shown on a website unless they are accredited through ICF. That's a quick way. You can also use what's called TPSS, which is uh, another acronym <laughs> for everybody. And that is um, on the Coach Feder or International Coach Federation's website. And I'll, we'll include a link and you can just plug in um, uh, whatever school you're looking at and that will give you the information there. Just bottom line, make sure they are accredited because you really don't want to at the end of the day go through the time, spend the money, and then find out that you have to do it again. Um, because, I mean, at the at the least cost, I would say the least expense, the least you, you should expect to spend uh, in, in becoming a life coach would probably be somewhere around $4,000 at the minimum, at the minimum, um, upwards to tens and tens of thousands, 30,000, uh, it can go skyrocket from there. But at the minimum, probably about 4,000. It won't be right out of pocket all at the same time, but just keep that in mind. Know, know that and expect as much. So um, mm -hmm. anything else, guys? I think that's good. I think it's fabulous. I'm so glad everybody was here. 
Um, and I hope this makes it simple. One of the ways on our website is that if you click anywhere that it says ICF, it links you into their website um, and you can see our page on the website that we are an approved um, education school. And Dan, final thoughts? All those acronyms, WTF. <laughs> IDK. <laughs> Uh, Jerome, your turn. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, guys. And uh, remember, we'll be back again Tuesday next week, 1 p.m. Thank yeah, you. Next, next Tuesday, well, real quickly, I'm going to wrap up real quick. Next Tuesday, we will be talking pricing. And we will be talking uh, to, to you about how to price yourself, how coaches price, price themselves. And we'll be delving into the ins and outs of pricing. Um, after this, we're going to be watching or watching this again in a watch party and answering any questions anybody has. Uh, thank you for watching. Make sure if you liked it, you comment, you share, you like, you follow, you spread the word. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. And uh, we are Certified Life Coach Institute, certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Shameless pluggings. All right. Bye, guys. Oh, also CLCI for an acronym for you. <laughs> um, I'm the one who has to push in this time. So bye, everybody. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.